Chapter Thirty of Southern Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Southern Arabia by James and Mabel Bent. Chapter Thirty. Eriosh and Kadhop after four days waiting for camels and the usual wrangling over the price and casting lots for us which here they do with stones instead of wood as in arabia we started late on christmas day going of course only a short way as all were mounted on the baggage we could trot all the way the camels were not tied in strings the first night we stopped at isele an interesting place at the entrance of wadi gahai below mount lehediftom about two hours from kalenzia whence at night we could see the numerous fires of troglodytes high up on the sides of the mountains and were able next day to ride nearly all the way except over a pass to lim ditar a depression in the hills sometimes filled with water though there was none for us a little was fetched but we had to keep the water from our evening wash to serve next morning this depression had in former times been used as a reservoir for we could detect the remains of a stone embankment a good deal despoiled for moslem tombs our onward journey took us past a lovely creek called kor haghia running two miles inland with silted mouth and overhanging yellow and white rocks the bright blue water and green mangroves made a brilliant picture about a quarter of a mile inland there is a deep pot of salt water evidently left behind by the ocean when it receded from the shores of socotra it is about two hundred feet across and has its little beach and seaweeds all complete with its trees and bushes in its cliffs we lunched at the brackish well of dia and at sunset reached the hideous plain of eriosh or eriush which has a flat surface of rock about a quarter of a mile in extent and partly covered with dried mud and of such soft stone that we could easily cut into it with pebbles it is covered with purely ethiopic graffiti almost exactly similar to those we saw on the steps of the church and on the hillsides around aksum in abyssinia long serpent-like trails of ethiopic words with rude drawings interspersed of camels snakes and so forth ribek who went inland from itur says these are greek conspicuous amongst them are the numerous representations of two feet side by side frequently with a cross inserted in one of them there are many separate crosses too on this flat surface crosses in circles exactly like what one gets on ethiopic coins we met with another inscribed stone to the east of the island bearing similar lettering hard by this flat inscribed surface are many tombs of an ancient date these tombs which are found dotted over the island bear a remarkable resemblance to the tombs of the beja race once dwelling on the shores of the red sea to the north of sawakin and subject to the ethiopian emperor they consist of enormous blocks of unhewn stone 
inserted in the ground to encircle and cover the tombs and this forms another link connecting the remains on the island with abyssinia when the abyssinian christian monarchs conquered arabia in the early centuries of our era and christianized a large portion of that country they probably did the same by socotra and inasmuch as this island was far removed from any political centre christianity probably existed here to a much later period than it did in arabia marco polo touched here and alludes to the christians of the island in speaking of two isles near greater india inhabited respectively by men and women he adds they are christians and have their bishop subject to the bishop of socotora socotora had an archbishop not subject to the pope but to one zatuli who resides at baldak who chooseth him francis xavier said among other things that each village had a priest called kashi no man could read the kashis repeated prayers in a forgotten tongue frequently scattering incense a word like alleluia often occurred for bells they used wooden rattles they assembled in their churches four times a day and held saint thomas in great veneration the kashis married but were very abstemious they had two lengths and fasted from meat milk and fish when padre vincenzo the carmelite visited the island in the seventeenth century he found the last traces of christianity the people still retained a perfect jumble of rites and ceremonies sacrificing to the moon circumcising and abominating wine and pork they had churches called mokwame dark and dirty and they daily anointed with butter an altar they had a cross which they carried in procession and a candle they assembled three times a day and three times a night the priests were called odambo each family had a cave where they deposited their dead if rain failed they selected a victim by lot and prayed round him to the moon and if this failed they cut off his hands all the women were called maria of this there is now no trace both sacraments had died out this debased form of christianity existed as late as the seventeenth century the island was one of the places visited by sir thomas roe in sixteen fifteen it is needless to say that all ostensible traces of our cult have long ago been obliterated and the only socoteri religious term which differs in any way from the usual mohammedan nomenclature is the name for the devil but we found as i have already said the carved crosses on the flat surface at eriosh and we found a rock at the top of a hill to the east of the island which had been covered with rude representations of the ethiopic cross scattered all over the island are deserted ruined villages differing but little from those of to-day except that the inhabitants call them all frankish work and admit that once franks dwelt in them of the cursed sect of the nazarenes we felt little hesitation in saying that a branch of the abyssinian church once existed in socotra and that its destruction is of comparatively recent date
if we consider that the ordinary village churches in abyssinia are of the flimsiest character a thatched roof resting on a low round wall we can easily understand how the churches of socotra have disappeared in most of these ruined villages round enclosures are to be found some with apsidal constructions which are very probably all that is left of the churches near asmomi to the east of the island we discovered a curious form of ancient sepulture caves in the limestone rocks have been filled with human bones from which the flesh had previously decayed these caves were then walled up and left as charnel houses after the fashion still observed in the eastern christian church amongst the bones we found carved wooden objects which looked as if they had originally served as crosses to mark the tombs in which the corpses had been permitted to decay prior to their removal to the charnel house or chimitria as the modern greeks called them we stayed two days at erioche to study the graffiti and tombs water had to be fetched from diaham which we afterwards passed it was brackish i have heard riho said for water but diho was mostly used and certainly the names of many water-places began with d i remember my husband answering the question where we should camp by calling out in arabic near the water this was echoed in socoteri laldiho we took five days in getting from calenzia to tamarida and found the water question on this route rather a serious one until we reached mori and kadhop where the streams from the high mountains began mori is a charming little spot by the sea with a fine stream and the lagoon and palms and bright yellow houses as a foreground to the dark blue mountains kadhop is another fishing village built by the edge of the sea with a marshy waste of sand separating it from the hills it possesses a considerable number of surf boats and canoes and catamarans on which the fishermen ply their trade just outside the town women were busy baking large pots for the export of butter placing large fires around them for this purpose the socotrans are very crude in their ceramic productions and seem to have not the faintest inclination to decorate their jars in any way there were quantities of flamingos on the beach we encamped at the foot of the hills with a watery and sandy waste between us and the village there are the foundations of some curious unfinished houses near kadhop also assigned to the portuguese but there appears to me to be no reason whatsoever for ascribing these miserable remains to the builders of the fine forts at mascat the founders of ormuz and goa and the lords of the east up to the seventeenth century the mountains here jut right out into the sea forming a bold and rugged coastline and the path which connects the two places is as fine a one to look upon as i have ever seen we had read a very awe-inspiring account of this path by lieutenant wellstead and so were quite disposed to believe all our camel drivers told us of the awful dangers to be encountered 
they had formed a plan whereby their kadhop friends might come in for some of our rupees we were not only to pay for camels but also for a boat some at least of the camels were sure they said to fall into the sea from the cliffs and our possessions if not our lives themselves might be lost they said that we ought to send our baggage by boat even if we risked the mountain path ourselves we assured them that we had landed in socotra which they pronounce sakotra to see the island and not to circumnavigate it others could pass so we could their last hope was in my hoped-for faint-heartedness they watched till i was alone in the tent and having recounted all the perils over again said let the men go over the mountain but you o oh, bibi will go in a boat safely you cannot climb you cannot ride the camel no one can hold you the path is too narrow and you will be afraid that being no good old sheikh ali came he was anxious poor old man to be spared the exertion and eventually rode all the way except when there was no room he said i should go in a boat with him he would take care of me and give me musk which he called misk when we reached hadibo he often promised misk but i never got any and here i may remark that i have frequently heard muscat pronounced miskit in arabia amongst the bedouin of the east we really did feel very adventurous indeed when we started i rode my camel a quarter of a mile to the foot of the ascent no one else thought it worth while to mount but i was comfortably carried over a muddy creek the cadhopers did get some rupees for we were attended by twelve men carrying bamboo poles ten or twelve feet long it really was a stiff climb but we had a good deal of shade and when we reached our highest point there was a pretty flat bit with scattered trees and grass about half a mile i think the twelve men had to carry the baggage slung on the poles for a quarter of a mile or so where the overhanging rocks made the path too narrow for loaded camels it was quite high enough for their heads and we had plenty of room it was marvellous to see the camels struggling along this road and awful to hear their groans and the shouts of the camel men as they struggled up and down and in and out of the rocks and the hubbub and yelling over a fallen one was simply diabolical we had a most tremendous clambering down soon after that the baggage being again slung on the poles and the camels came clattering down with many stones and looking as if they would rush over straight into the sea when we got near the sea say about fifty feet above it we on foot diverged from the camel track which goes more inland and followed a very very narrow washed-away path this i think must have been the one described by wellstead for we were never till we reached this part near the sea though possibly had we fallen we might have rolled over down a slope the views inland up the rugged yellow crags covered with verdure and studded with the quaint gouty trees are weird and extraordinary 
and below at our feet the waves dashed up in clouds of white spray though we had heard much of the difficulties of this road and the dangers for foot passengers and we were told of the bleaching bones of the camels which had fallen into the abyss below we experienced none of these hardships we certainly saw the bones of one camel below us but none of ours followed its example and we revelled in the beauty of our surroundings which made us think nothing of the toilsome scramble up and down the rocks as we left the mountainside and approached the plain of tamarida we passed close by what would seem to have been an ancient ruined fort on the cliff above the sea evidently intended to guard this path End of chapter 30 Recording by Shena Sayre, Fresno, California